So far in our series, going through Proverbs, the Rules for Life series, we looked at three kind of foundational ideas as we think about how to live life and how to be wise in it. The first is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That if you're going to be wise, you need to consider all who, of who God is in how that he is revealed to be. Secondly, we saw that God blesses those who keep his commands. Now that has to be understood in the whole context of the sermon, so go back and listen to the whole thing. But in life, if you want things to go well, follow God's way. Rule three was keep your heart, don't follow it. Said our hearts are naturally deceptive and want all sorts of things that are wrong and our hearts need to be trained by taking in God's word through our eyes and our ears so that our hearts can be made right and to want the right things. Now those are the basics, the kind of foundation. Now we're going to go to kind of more specific things in order to live our life in God's order instead of our own. And the first was last week, which was one of the easiest ways to ruin your life. Uh, drink at home. It says, avoid the ruin of sexual immorality. And how quickly can that ruin someone's life? Now, the fifth rule for life is seems almost pedantic in, in comparison to the you know scandals of adultery and it is important because almost all sin offers us something pleasurable easy and cheap but the best things in life require diligence and hard work a wife is more difficult than a prostitute, but one will lead you to the grave and the other is a blessing. So today we get to learn the rewards of working hard, of diligence, and a stern warning, don't be a sluggard. With that, let's introduce the sluggard. The sluggard is a character in, in Proverbs, kind of a caricature. And, and we can think of him not so much as, a, as an individual person, but as a warning. Because in some ways, deep down inside of every one of us is a sluggard that can come out from time to time. The sluggard refuses to work. Proverbs 21, 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He just wants to do the fun things. He doesn't want to work. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. The sluggard won't even do the simplest thing. Proverbs 19, 24, I love this one. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. It's so much work. And I thought, like, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. And then I walked outside this morning, and as I'm walking to my car, I look over and I remember, 
the green beans. There's delicious green beans. All someone has to do is walk over there and pick them. And yet, I haven't picked the green beans because I spent 40 minutes watching a YouTube video last night of disc golf. <laughs> By the way, as a side note, when I came back, uh, all of the green beans were picked because someone in our house was diligent. Also, Sabbath rest, which we'll talk about later. The sluggard doesn't work at the right time. Proverbs 24, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. The sluggard makes lame excuses for not being able to do anything. Proverbs 22, 13. There is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. The sluggard is the architect of his own poverty. Now, it's easy to think like, like it's someone, you know, out there who is lazy, but I really, really work hard. And then I think like, like, like just the laziness that I have in me, like I can remember being at the beach. It wasn't too long ago and I'm sitting back and already the beach, a very precarious place. If we're going to be talking about hard work. And as I'm there, just sort of resting all of a sudden, I think, boy, I'm feeling a little bit thirsty, but I'm on the beach and I don't want to get up out of my chair because that just seems like a lot of work and I don't have my water there because I forgot it because I not think, but my wife, my wife has water and it's over there in her purse. Now, instead of getting up and getting it, I like reach with my foot and I just like hook it and like drag it back to myself, maybe dumping some things out, maybe not, and then retrieving the water because I like to figure out every shortcut I can. I'm embarrassed to say that I've actually, I've actually read the book, The Four Hour Work Week, a book I don't recommend. Actually, I mean, I didn't actually read it. I listened to it on audiobook. Sometimes in the morning, and I always do this every morning, is I, is I make like a to-do list for the day just so I can know how to get things done. And I've discovered like the greatest shortcut in the world. So instead of writing down just the things that you have to do, you think of something that you've already done. You write it on the to-do list, and then you check it off, and then you look, and then, oh, I've already done this thing, and then you'll be like, well, now I can have like a coffee break because I've already accomplished something for the day. Every single day, laziness is falling into the endless time traps of the modern world. We can waste a whole week binging a new show on Netflix or all of the little micro things of TikTok, Facebook, which if you put a little app on your phone to keep track of how long, you will be surprised. All of this is because distraction is so easy and work is so hard. In fact, God's word tells us that work is hard. We know that the ground was cursed to produce thorns and Canadian thistle, kosha and volunteer canola. And, and this extends to everything we do. Like, like the productive things are difficult to over 
to, to lean into. And the laziness is so easy. So we're going to learn four things today. Four th ways to overcome being a sluggard. And the first is know your purpose. Know your purpose. Because defeating the sluggard in you isn't, isn't just important so you can be a productive employee, although that's a good thing. Because we need to get out of the mindset that, that kind of separates like our work out there and then there's all this other time because we are not economic animals. We were not created by Marx, but we are spiritual creatures created by God for a great purpose. And our ultimate purpose is to glorify God. Romans eleven thirty six says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The world might work for money might volunteer for a sense of purpose, but we are called to so much more. And because we are here for so much more, we cannot afford to waste our lives on trivialities. For the chief end of man is not merely to get by, but to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Jesus Christ came to earth died on the cross for our sins. Not just for us to live the Canadian dream, a nice house in the suburbs, and maybe a vacation home, or you could live in Fort Cabell, and it's both. But that you can live for God. And the way that we do that every day is by doing good works. Ephesians 2, 8, which is a verse we love to read for, about grace, but you got to keep reading. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And that's like a whole treasure of the gospel. And so it's funny because we can talk about work today and not talk about work. It's like, this is how you're right with God. Because you're right with God right there. It's a gift of God that he gives to all who invite him in. Jesus Christ has done everything necessary for life and salvation. And yet, it doesn't stop there. For it says, for we are his workmanship. His workmanship. Like his, his creation. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so God created us, saved us, and gave us work to walk in. And that work does not just extend to kind of like, like out there spiritual realms. It doesn't mean all of you need to quit your job and, and become a pastor because probably some better pastors out there than I would be out of a job or, or even be a missionary. Although, by the way, we need more of both of those things. But we need to let our light shine in every area of our lives. Jesus, our Lord, says in Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We should be such good 
RCMP officers or, or salesmen or farmers or electricians or homemakers, mothers, teachers, volunteers, artisan craftsmen, the people see our work and the manner at which we do it and praise the God who made and saved us to give glory to our Father in heaven. That is how we live in the world, to give God glory, not just in church, but in everything being so diligent in what they do, being filled with love and the Holy Spirit, so that even when we're picking up trash on the side of the road, that people would see that we do it for the glory of God. Or even when, I like thinking of like mothering gas now, like, like even when we're telling our kids, clean up your room, for the hundred and thirty-second time, <laughs> we can do it in a way for the glory of God in whatever we do. It extends to every area, all the volunteers for VBS, but even like how you spend that first hour of your day. Are you going to spend it meeting with God, praying, prayers that desperately need to be prayed? or sucked into the vacuous world of Mark Zuckerberg. And whatever we do, we should bring glory to God. And that goes if you're a kid in school, a retired person, in like the, the duties that God has given you, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. So then the, the task is so important. And, and how are we going to do this? So if we're going to defeat the sluggard within us, we need to, as the, as the Solomon tells us, to look small. For Jordan Peterson gives us life lessons from the lobster. I don't know if anyone's ever wrote it. We are going to look to the ant and learn to defeat laziness. Go to the ant, O oh sluggard. This is Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. The first thing we see from the ant is the ant works independently. Now, this is something when you're young. You go to school and you work, you do your assignments because your teachers tell you to. Or your parents, hopefully both. When you get older, you get a job and you work because, and I learned in my first job, it was, my first job wasn't on the farm. I, I worked at a factory and I had to put wood on this onto this conveyor belt. But then, like, we would get done all of our work and then we would have like two hours of like nothing. And I learned pretty soon that if I grabbed a broom and I just sort of aimlessly swept, I didn't get yelled at. So I worked not to get yelled at. That was, that was my goal. But if you're going to get anywhere in life, 
If you're going to be self-disciplined, you cannot just let outside motivators lead you. You can't just be living your life because other people are telling you what to do. You need to be more like the ant and less like the construction crew that only works when the boss's truck rolls up. The ant works without a boss telling them to, and you have to find that, motion, that motivation. Now, that motivation is amazing because this is a secret that we can have here, looking and knowing a greater purpose in life, knowing that God himself has created and saved you and has good things for you to do, laid out for you, for you to walk in even today. Like you might not feel like a man, like, like I don't really feel like I know my purpose here. It's there. We can trust that it's there. We don't always see it. We can trust that it's there because God has made you this particular way to walk in these particular works. And this is something that we can consider and know and believe. And in believing it, we can set upon the things that we have to do. We'll talk about the things we have to do in a second. We can set upon the things that we have to do with a motivation knowing that we work not for our, like Madonna, your jerk boss. <laughs> we work not for him, but we work for him. Paul says in Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And don't get, don't get up and just work hard for yourself. Not even for your children, although those are legitimate motivators, but the ultimate motivation is pleasing God who sees all, even when we do good work and nobody notices it. Like we, I remember like when I was a kid, like plowing that field, like perfectly straight. I'm like, I'm in a back quarter. Nobody's ever going to see it. But man, that row is just perfect. Like God sees. And how much more for us? Because Paul wrote this to actual slaves, people who didn't have any choice in what they did. It's like, you know, work hard knowing that God will reward you, even when you are literally not getting paid. How much more should we work heartily as for the Lord and whatever God has called us from serving burgers at A&W to taking care of babies at home, working diligently in every way we are called to serve God. For most of the important things, like the most important things in your life, how well you love your wife, your personal devotions with the Lord God, even, even things like physical exercise, like no one is going to be there. It's like young people, especially, because you may not know this. No one is going to be there to remind you to do these things. And in that day, you need to know I am working here because God created me. God created me to do these good works and I am going to walk in them knowing God sees, God knows, God loves, God even rewards. The second note about the ant is that he works at the right time. She prepares her bread 
Notice, ants are feminine in the Bible. It's like, yeah. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Now, if the first thing is the motivation has got to be within you, seeing like God's plan for your life. The second is we see that the ant works at the right time. She goes out and gets food when it's there to be gathered in. And now this is written to an agrarian society where this is very important because for people who are basically subsistence farmers, if you didn't go out and sow your crops and harvest them, you were going to starve to death. It's very bad. Now, applying this to some of the farmers around here who are here, some of them are gone. Where's Andrew? Andrew. <laughs> when it's planting time, you better get your crops in the ground, even if you have to work 20 hours a day. And when it's harvest, you better get them harvested. But you guys don't need to tell me that because this is 2023. And if you're not planting your crops sometime and harvesting them, you went bankrupt 30 years ago. Now, while we do have farmers in the church, we also have to think about how to apply this kind of generally in a modern world. Like, how do we work at the right time? Because our work is becoming a lot different. Like, one of the great things about computers and cell phones is that you can work at any time, anywhere. And one of the terrible things about computers and cell phones is you can work at any time, anywhere. And it brings up a huge issue. If we're going to be diligent at work, and we can literally work like all the time, how do we apply this in a world where we can get up really early and stay up late? Now first, and the most important, comes from the Ten Commandments, which we simply say, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh is a day of, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who, who, is, who is within your gates. I love how it like, points out, like, even your cow should get, a day, should get a break. Simply, we realize in all of this, the prayer from the New City Catechism, which uh, our kids have gone through some of it prays, you made us, O Lord, and you tell us we need rest. Keep us from justifying ourselves through ceaseless work. <clears throat> and so we should be taking one day in seven off, and we should really take it off. I find so many times, like, I half work and I half rest, and this is like a terrible habit. Like, I'll be working, doo -doo -doo, fiddling along, doing a little work here, and then stopping. It's like, no, I never, like, you know, work hard and rest hard. Because then when I rest, I, like, rest, but I don't really rest. I'm like, oh, I'm going to check my email here. Like, no, like, work and rest. Like, don't go just, like, constantly, like, on this thing. Because the work tends to creep in. The worries tend to overcome. And we need to be able to set those aside and say, no, I'm not going to justify myself by ceaseless work. Like God has done everything, I'm going to rest when God tells me to rest. And work when God tells you to work. Now, the second way to order our work is to think about what our responsibilities really are. Each of us has responsibilities to 
manage ourselves and our spiritual, mental, and physical health. Each of us have responsibilities with our family. If you have, I think everyone has some kind of family. And then there might be a, a workplace that we have to go to, a business we have to run, volunteer roles, civic roles, and, and it's going to vary a bit for each one of you. Now, I've actually, if you want to like sit down and like think about this in more detail, which I recommend, on the back foyer, the little like information table thing, I put a little sheet called a productivity worksheet. And uh, it's kind of a good way to just lay out like what my responsibilities are because we all have responsibilities that God has called us to and do good works in them. And we need to diligently fulfill all the roles that God's given us to do things at the right time. Now, the order of those things, there are things we are commanded to do. We are commanded to, husbands, you're commanded to love your wives. Wives are commanded to respect their husbands. Children, we're commanded to bring up our children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. We're commanded to provide. And so we're commanded to do these things, and these things are things that we need to do. And there's a bunch of stuff in our life that we don't need to do. There may be like extras things, but, uh, you know, things that, that can get cut out or added if we're called, feel like we're called to. But each of these things should be done diligently instead of half-heartedly. And if you find yourself, and this is kind of key, if you're half-heartedly doing th something, you know, you have to think like, am I in disobedience here by doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing or half-heartedly doing something I am supposed to be doing? Because in whatever that we are doing as Christians, we need to do it diligently as for the Lord and not men. We need to diligently fulfill every role that God's given us from our church, our family, our work. And in this, we remember the ant, the ant who diligently went out and did the work and then went back and rested as well. Like these things are not in opposition, but in a holistic whole. Jesus himself got away to pray. But even our rest and vacation should be purposeful, bringing us closer to God and our family and not mere entertainment. I do think it's a little ironic to someone like me who kind of maybe tends towards like working too much, that God in his sovereign wisdom had me write the sermon while I was on vacation. <laughs> Four, keep repairing the walls. And this is just sort of a simple thing. Proverbs 24, and we get to see the sluggard maybe years later. I pass by the field of a sluggard. Proverbs 24, verse 30. By the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles. And its stone wall was broken down. Now, how does this happen? We find in our verses that we, in chapter 6, 9, and 11. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. Now, good habits. This is simply to say that good habits, the small little things that we do day by day, if we do them diligently, it brings order and structure to our life. And if we ignore them little by little, it brings chaos. 
And now, now maybe like this is hard for you, like you hear hard work and diligence because you kind of look at your life and like, things are just in chaos. Like, what am I going to do? And why is the preacher telling me just to work harder? And I, I don't want to overwhelm you, but I just want you to like, just see this, this thing. If like a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, a little rest like comes poverty, then like, like the opposite is also true. Like a little step towards diligence, a little bit more order, a little bit of pulling up in the weeds of your life day by day. It might not seem like much, but will make a huge difference over the long term. So don't feel overwhelmed. Don't feel like you have to like make a billion things. Like you're going to have to clear out all these weeds in a day. Just do one little thing. Get up 20 minutes earlier to pray. Spend 15 minutes after lunch to read an important book. Answer your emails, Pastor Matt. Just answer them at the end of the day. Make one small decision today. And over time, brick by brick, the walls that have fallen can be built back up. So how can we avoid being a sluggard? One, know you have a purpose given by God to do all of the good works that God has placed for you. Two, consider the ant who works with internal motivation, knowing that God has given you, God has given you work to do. Three, consider the ant that worked at the right time. Take care to rest diligently and work diligently in the things God has called you to do. And four, repair the walls, one brick at a time, making the small decisions that add up to bring order and structure and diligence to life worth living. Don't waste your life. God has given us a good life and good works to walk in. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, I pray that you would help us to take that step, knowing that you have good things for us to do. You created us to do these good works. And I pray that we would have the joy to do them with diligence and even the tasks that are burdensome to us, that you would give us the strength to endure and the wisdom to know when to rest. Help us to see this in Jesus' name. Amen.